past is like a dead body. You can drag it around, you can kick it, and it will do nothing because it's just that. It's dead. So this morning, in this moment, Father, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us up as a church, as a body, individually and corporately, Lord, so that today can be exactly what you want it to be. We can receive what it is that you want to speak to us today. And Lord, when we don't know what to pray, we can just start with being thankful. Being a thankful body. Being a thankful bride. A thankful warrior. And Father, in this moment right now, uh, everybody, why don't you just pray for me out loud. Pray with me out loud. And just thank God. Just thank Him. Start thanking Him for everything. Thanking Him for uh, the, the, the weather, your, your belongings, the things that you've been given, good health, whatever health you are in. And thank Him for the obstacles as well. Because stumbling blocks can be made into stepping stones. So Father, corporately, I pray that we just open up our mouth this morning and just thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for your heart, Father. Thank you for the way that you deal with us. Lord, for how, how you're so patient with us, Lord. When we, when we walk away, you're right there with your arms open saying, come back. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And Lord, we don't want to move. We don't want to step forward until we can feel you in this room. Sometimes what's in us has to come out of us. The fact that our Jesus walked up out of the grave, man, we just can't be quiet about that anymore, Father. We praise your name for what you did on this day some 2,000 years ago, walking in to Jerusalem, Father. Getting to a place where you knew what you were about to do some five days later. And we have a God the only God who can say that he conquered death. That's it. Father, we're thankful for that this morning, Lord Jesus. I pray that your spirit is here. I pray that it's on us. I pray that you open up our hearts to the power of the God, uh, the gospel, the power of the word. In Jesus' name, we love you. We need you. And everybody said, amen. You guys can be seated this morning. Jesus is in the building, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, it's always joyous to look out and see old faces, new faces. Uh, the Lord wants to do some things with us this morning. I said that to, to first service and didn't really have whole much of like a, a response to the front, which is okay. It doesn't even always need to be like that. But what I'm going to ask from you guys this morning is that you let from Jump Street... The Word of God penetrate your heart today on this issue. I pray that every time you open up the Word, any of it penetrates your heart, cuts your heart um, in a good way. Just as a, a tree is pruned back, there's a little bit of pain, but it's pruned back so that it can grow stronger. If there is any cutting, it's to cut off all the excess. This morning, let it be that. Let it be an encouraging Word. The past, I don't know, Two months or so, it's been a little bit rough. I've, I've said that. Uh, but these past couple weeks have been a little bit, I don't want to say better, but on the same track of truth. Truth from the side of communicating how awesome a Jesus we serve. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Now, as, as you come in here and experience Easis on a Sunday morning, and I'm asking you to say amen like every five words. I'll, I'll watch it today, okay? Okay. 
We get all hyped up and we're excited and we walk out. I want today to, to, to go beyond just today. Go beyond just this. We feel the Lord in this room. Take Him into your car, into your work, and let it be something that transforms your life today. Okay? I can't do that for you. I'm, I'm not going to be a motivational speaker today. I'm just going to bring the Word and you let it change. You, let, you, you be willing to let the Word change you today. Amen? Yeah. Alright. It's good stuff. Triumphant entry, right? Palm Sunday. We'll be touching on that a little bit. It's interesting that at this time last year we were going through the book of Nehemiah and got to Palm Sunday and I wanted to do a little bit of the triumphant entry and then where we were at in the book and I didn't really know how they were going to mesh. And the Lord just real quick just said, look, you know what, son, stop freaking out about it. Just read the scripture. Take care of itself, right? Oh, Lord, but I don't know how am I going to connect these things and blah, blah, blah. He just said, I'll give you some time to get over yourself. And then, uh, again, just read it. In Nehemiah, we were in a place where they were talking about building this wall. And there was some emphasis on the gates. you got to understand, these are the very gates that Jesus walked through in the triumphant entry. The Word takes care of itself. Some 400 years prior to Jesus walking through these gates, they were being worked on. Nehemiah was burdened to build this wall back up. But you can see the triumphant entry through some of the Gospels. And as Jesus walks into this, this city, I love it so much how Beck put it that it shows us how fickle our flesh is. That here we see a, a king where there were two groups of people who, excuse me, two mindsets uh, as they watched Jesus walk in. Those who knew that this was the actual Messiah, that He was going to come and save all of mankind and fulfill the Scriptures, and this is, this is the man. Then there was another group of people who thought that this guy was just the Savior from the governmental superpower at the time, that He's going to come and maybe wage war or take care of the people pulling them out of whatever... Um, hard, burdened situation that they were in. Nonetheless, there's, there was those two, those two mindsets. They held Jesus in such high regard on Palm Sunday that, as it was already put, they took their coats off, they, they put things on the ground, they put palms down because they said, this man is higher than the dirt on the ground. That his feet, he is so holy that his feet should not even touch the dirt. And not five days later, the very same people with both mindsets are saying, crucify him. Five days. Jesus, who saves all mankind, is being paraded in front of these people. Jesus, who saves you from your situation every single day. Saves you from yourself. Let me say it that way. Takes your feet up out of the, uh, the miry clay and puts it on, on a solid foundational rock. Sometimes, not five minutes later, we're the ones with our uh, attitudes and modes of operation saying, crucify Him. We take this wonderful gift and we're those same people. And we're saying, you know, I got it this time. What you're about to do or what you did do wasn't necessarily enough. Uh, we are no different. 
We are no better, but you know what? You know what I love? We read this last, last Sunday, is that He is faithful to us regardless of how we feel towards Him. He is still God. He still, after coming in those gates, walked straight to the cross. He didn't take anybody's opinion and say, hey, how do you feel about this today? Let me just ask you. How do you feel about me? If you don't feel so good, maybe I'll just come back next week. No. <laughs> His trek to the cross was something that he knew he was going to do regardless of what we thought, what we threw, what we spat, what we said. And that in and of itself, ladies and gentlemen, is more than enough reason to shout his name. Amen? Amen. I'm not talking like, oh, amen, okay, okay, Jesus. Like, come on now. Yeah. Get a little, you know, get some volume in here. I like it. I like it. But what I don't want to do is miss out on the last part of Romans 3. You see the title, it says, The Law of Faith to Cast Every Crown. Now, there's only one crown. We know this. And that's the crown of Jesus Christ. What we got done reading last week was justification by faith. Not justification by works. Messages previous to that, Paul gets done with his introduction, speaks about unbelief and its consequences. Also talks about the impartiality of God, how every man is on the same level. And every man will be judged Jew, Gentile, believer, non-believer, doesn't matter. Everything that's done in secret, he will see it and he will judge it. But guess what? The good things he will judge too. We're not just talking about consequences in a negative sense. There's consequences to obedience. I want those ones. You guys want those ones too? Consequences to obedience. Well, guess what else? There's consequences to faith. Both sides. That's what we're about to look at. Before today, last Sunday, a couple Sundays ago, justification by faith. There is no amount of works that can make you just or right before God. What Jesus did as He walked in those gates going to Jerusalem was a trek for justification. It was a path for you and I to be justified. And I gave this analogy last week of what this propitiation, this atonement really looks like. That we have to understand what, how, how, how dangerous and how degrading and how, oh man, how heavy sin is. Why is that? Because we can become numb to it. Oh, it's okay. I'm good. I can just, you know, I did this last week. I didn't get punished right away, but I'm good. That type of talk, we can get numb to the seriousness of sin. What sin did is it separated us from Christ. Everybody knows that if you're a believer, separated us from the Lord. When he walked in on that Palm Sunday, triumphant entry, he had you on his mind to close the gap. He was going to the cross to make sure that you were justified. And I use this analogy of somebody who hurts you. Anybody in here been hurt ever? No? Okay. Am I the only... I'm a human being in here today. <laughs> what sense would it make in our carnal way of thinking about things if that person who came in and hurt you standing right in front of you and you say out of your own whatever, let me make it right, even though you're the one who hurt me. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to sit right here and I don't want you to do anything. Just let me make it right. See, we don't, 
think that way nowadays. The world doesn't tell you. The world tells you to think opposite of that. The world says, if somebody hurts you, make them show you that they're not going to hurt you again. Put them through the ringer. Don't even give them directions or, or instructions on how to hold your heart or hold the friendship. Because if it's in them, it's just in them. I can't stand that talk. can't stand it. Because Jesus never said that. What this propitiation was, what this trek to the cross was, this triumphant entry, was He was saying, I want to make it like nothing happened. I want to make it like you never sinned. Because the sin was a breach against me. And then He said this, that breach in the wall, I have the brick and mortar. I have the tools to fix it. You know what? I'm going to fix it. But I want you to sit right there. I don't want you to pick up a single tool. Oh, come on now, church. This is like the Super Bowl week of Christianity. All right? Christmas, amen. Jesus came. Presents, awesome. The wreath, or whatever you want to call it, is the reason, or the season, excuse me, but the cross is the reason. We get to Easter, and this is why we believe what we believe. Amen? So then we get to this, this law of faith. Alright? Now I'm going to read this. I'm going to read from verses 27 to 31 in chapter 3. End of chapter 3. And I'll be surprised if we get past verse 27 today. Because uh, it's just loaded. I didn't get past it last service. That's okay. So we get done reading about this propitiation that the Lord's uh, forbearance, basically his, his patience with us to look over our sin, to make sure that we have no flesh involved in justification. There's no amount of works that you can put yourself in through, in or through, to bring yourself right before the Lord. You just can't do it. So let me say this. Relax. Stop. Striving. And just be a child of God. Amen. Let Him take care of it. Alright? If you got to take a big deep breath right now, let it out. Yes. Amen. Because He's got it taken care of. But it says this. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? Question mark? No. But by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith. Uh, excuse me. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is He not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since indeed God who, was, uh, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. Do we then nullify the law? Through faith, may it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. Now, looking at this very, this verse 27, it's kind of broken up into about three, three sections here. Where, where then is boasting? I kind of already touched on it that, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's no flesh involved and he made sure of it. Do you know that He will always make sure of it? Yeah, that part's kind of tough. That...
struggle is simply just with our flesh. He wants to make it easy. But the reason why he said, where then is, is boasting, it's been excluded. If, if there was justification by our own works, do you know how many crowns we would walk in here with? Do you know how many pats on the back we would give ourselves if we were able to justify ourselves by our works? Hey, didn't have money for the, for the mortgage, but it came in. I worked my butt off, and there it is. Pat on the back. Good job, Alex. Car was broken, fixed it. Pat on the back. Good job, Alex. Took care of my situation by myself. How many crowns, ladies and gentlemen, do you wear right now? Thinking that that is going to make us right before God. Let me help you and I understand something real clear today. There is nothing good that has ever happened in our lives apart from Jesus. Amen. Apart from Him allowing that to happen. Mm -hmm. Whether He announced it or not, it is all because of Him. So where, is their bo uh, where then is boasting? It's gone. It's excluded. If you boast in anything, I've said this before, boast in the work of Jesus through you. Now, we've spent a lot of time in the first parts of this, this, this book looking at the law and saying, okay, the law, we want to stay away from the law being something that we let justify us. And the law has kind of been put in this bad place. I want it to be in a bad place. It's not in a bad place. It's there for a reason. One of the other comments that I made last Sunday was that an x-ray is to a cure as the law is to salvation and justification. An x-ray cannot cure something. You have an ailment, they x-ray, MRI, whatever it is, that can only diagnose the situation. That's what the Word of God is. It diagnoses the situation. But just because these Jews carry this law doesn't mean that they're justified by it. They're only justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. The law is that to salvation. Jesus' blood is the cure for sin, which brings salvation and justification, right? But he says, middle part of this verse, by what kind of law? So that means that this law, there is a, there's a, excuse me, there's a law that's in an effect here. And what is that law? Well, he just is very plain and simple about it. He says, of works? No, we've covered that. But by a law of faith. Anybody in here know what a law of faith is? Going through your mind like, mm, well, I think. <laughs> I love Jesus, so I guess that takes care of it. <laughs> It does. It takes care of a lot, honestly. It really does. But if we were to dig into that, this law of faith here, for us to really understand what that means from beginning to end, let's look at that word faith and let the Scripture speak to us about what faith is. Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. The substance, stuff that I can touch, of things hoped for, which isn't a hoping and wishing, okay? It's confident expectations. And I'll tell you why it's a confident expectation. Because my dad's sitting in the back, and there's times where he said something to me, and then he did it. Jesus, now he's, you know, human, all right? Falls short. 
But Jesus will always say things to you through His Scripture, and He will always, 100% of the time, excuse me, do them. And we're going to read that. The reason why it's a confident expectation is because He said so. Right. Now, that's not, you know, fireworks in this great statement and you're going to write that down and go home and be like, yes, I'm going to post this on my mirror and look at it every day. But guess what? It's that simple. He said so. That's why I can have a confident expectation in Jesus Christ. And then, the second part of the verse, um, evidence of things unseen. As you guys walked in here, is it not windy outside? Oh man, can't stand the wind. Hot, cold, I'm good. You add the wind to any of that, I'm just, ugh. I just don't want to be in it, right? Rain, snow, that's good. But wind, mm. amen to that, thank you. You can't see the wind, but you see the effects of it, right? Jesus is not here on this earth in the flesh anymore. He took care of that for his 33 years that he was here. But we see the effects and the influence of him every single day. I guarantee he has shown himself to you. And we are the ones who just need to have the eyes of our hearts and our minds open up to when He's speaking. Learn His language. How do you learn His language? You get into the Word of God. Amen. Amen. You learn His character. So if that's what faith is, and then there's a law of faith. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to say this three, four more Sundays, then I'm going to stop saying it because people have told me they like when I say it, when I don't. They just notice it. But I'm a man of one message. All right? If I say the same thing up here for the rest of my preaching days, I'm okay with that. Because if it's the gospel, hey, that's exactly what needs to be brought. But I've said this before, that everyone in here has faith. Every single one of you guys. Everybody's got faith in the chair that you're sitting on. When you get into your car, you turn that key, you've got faith that an electrical shock's going to go to the distributor, which sends a current to the spark plugs, it does whatever it needs to do within those cylinders, and gas ignites, and all of a sudden you're driving. You don't have to check every single time in the engine to make sure that it's going to work. You don't have to have eyes on it. You just got faith that it's going to work. And then you got faith in two little yellow lines on the street that as you go this way, the person coming this way isn't going to come over and you're dead. Everybody's got faith. But the question is, what is your faith in? You've heard that question before. What is your faith in? Now before we get to that, I'm going to read this definition of this word law. And then we're going to take God and put it into that. Because this is just a Webster definition of this word. But it brings so much clarity to what the law of faith is. You guys with me this morning? Everybody alright? Do we need to do jumping jacks? Wake up? We all good? Alright. One day that's going to happen, okay? Seriously. So don't put it past me. Alright, so having the understanding that the law is something that we is not nullified, okay, as it says in verse 31, we have to understand what law he's talking about with this law of faith. We're still under a law. We're still governed by a law. And a law is this. It's the system of rules that a particular country or community recognizes as regulations, excuse me, as regulating the actions of its members. 
and may enforce by the imposition of penalties. Let me read that again. A law is the system of rules that a particular country or community recognizes as regulating the actions of its members and may be uh, and may enforce by the imposition of penalties. So if that's what a law is, it's a system of rules that a, a particular body, a particular group of people recognize. And as they recognize these rules, what it does is it regulates their actions within the community. Let me ask you this question. Is your life regulated by your faith? Or is it regulated by your fear? Because I'll make this statement right here. Fear is faith in the wrong kingdom. Catch that. Fear is faith in the wrong kingdom. If everybody has faith, then the question is, what are you going to put your faith in? Because if there's a law of faith, and the law that we, the de- definition of the law that we just got done reading is something that governs your activities, and my faith is not in the kingdom of Christ, then whatever my faith is in is going to regulate my behavior. <laughs> and it's going to regulate it to a point where it's going to take my stress up or down. It's going to take my anxiety up or down. Fear is faith in the wrong kingdom, but confidence, walking in your anointing, being a child of God, all of that is faith in who Christ said you are and who Christ said He is. Because, let me, let me just say this. Uh, you can have a real bad monologue with yourself about yourself. Or dialogue, whether you, you know, see yourself and you're talking to yourself, you know, whatever, however it works. That, those words, let's just say that, they, they hold nothing. They hold nothing. Because they're not backed by somebody who walked out of a tomb. Amen? I would rather have faith in words from somebody who, on one hand, was paraded through the, uh, the community, seeing so holy that we have to lay things down on the ground for him not to, not to uh, for his feet not to touch the dust. And now five days later, I'm saying crucify. I'm so glad that that didn't deter him from what he said, number one, about himself and about me. Do you have faith in His words? Or do you have faith in your limited diagnosis of your life which leads you to a place where you will never be good enough? Let me tell you right now, you are good enough. But you're not good enough because of you. You're good enough because the atonement, the propitiation, the blood that was spilt, the flesh that was given. That's why you're good enough. Guys, with me this morning? No, but by a law of faith. And this whole fear business. Fear is is faith in the wrong kingdom. I got done watching uh, the movie After Earth with Will Smith in it and his son a couple weeks ago. And I just love that movie. I'm not going to tell you what the movie is about. It's not for, for now, but space, outer space movie. They crash land on Earth. Weird stuff happens. <laughs> it's only two of them. Oh, you know what? 
let me, let, me, let me go off on this just for about 30 seconds, all right? <laughs> they crash land and this, this ship is about, it splits in two, okay? And there's a hundred kilometers in between. And the beacon for them to be saved is in the tail end while they're in the other end and they're all hurt, but uh, Will Smith's son is the one who has to run from one part of the ship to the other. And one of these statements that Will Smith makes, he says that everything on this world has evolved to kill you. This is Earth in like 2348, something like that. Do you know that everything in the, the, the kingdom of darkness was created and set up by the enemy to be used to kill you? Do you know that? That it's not just, let me get this person off of their game today and just poke and prod. No, see, he came to seek and devour and kill. Everything in the, dark, the world of darkness, I don't want to say evolved, but sure, has evolved to take you out. It does not want you to succeed. So when things come up between families, between friends, fight for the unity. Because the kingdom of darkness is doing everything he can to get you off of that. Alright? So Will Smith makes this statement to his son before he runs to the other part of the ship. 100 kilometers away. It's like running to Denver. Oh, I'm good for about 400 meters. 400, or 100 kilometers, not going to do it. But he makes a statement. He says, look, fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in your thoughts of the future. Creating for yourself scenarios, circumstances that may never and do not at present exist. Oh, man. Every time I watch that part, I rewind it about six times and I just, I just soak it up. Because it is so true. The only place that fear can exist is in something that hasn't even come true. Something that hasn't even happened yet. But for whatever reason, we attach ourselves to the fact that it's truth. And we're not even there yet. Of course, if I walk into a dark room and have no idea what's in there, I'm going to have a little bit of fear in me because I might create in my mind, I am a, don't like spiders, okay? It's going to be very upfront about that. Don't judge me. But who knows if there's 100 billion spiders in the room? I don't know. You don't know either. So I'm not going to go in there until the light's on, okay? Just not going to do it. Flip the light on, there's nothing in there. Fear is something that we create. And fear is a product of having faith in the wrong kingdom. Are you with me this morning? Amen. So let me continue with what to have faith in. Because I can tell you guys all day long, you got to have faith. You got to have faith. Just have faith and it'll work out. Then I can say you got to have faith in Christ. In fact, don't have faith in what I'm saying to you this morning. I'm going to read Scripture. And if there's anything that you put your faith in, put it in these statements that come out of Scripture because what's the next step? Okay, Pastor Square, how do I activate my faith? Because I can believe these Scriptures up and down. But what does it look like to activate it? What does it look like to walk in it? Anybody got the one, two, three on that one? If you have it... Well, maybe not right now. Don't say it right now because that would be weird. <laughs> but, you know, send me an email or something like that, you know. How do I activate my faith? 
Man, if you could activate your faith every single day and get the consequences of obedience, I want those ones. Who would be into that? I would. See, this message has really got me excited, hyped. I should probably get Beck with a towel in the back, just, you know, like they do on the sidelines. I love it. <laughs> because I am so excited to activate my faith every day because He's shown me how to do it. Do you want to know how? It's so simple. Let's put our faith in not some preacher, not somebody who's up front, not some motivational speaker in what they say. Let's put our faith in what the Lord says about Himself. Amen. In the Word of God. Has the Lord said something to you that, you know what, I'm going to make a way for you. That's the one thing that He has said to me. That is a promise. I'm going to make a way for you. And He has every single time. Now for you, He might have said, I'm going to pull you out of that financial struggle. I promise that. He may have also said, you know what, I'm going to give you the family that you've been, you've been waiting for. I promise you that. I don't know the things that He's spoken to you. You do. But here's what He says about making His promises. I'm going to start in Titus 1. Titus 1. Verse 2, but I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, and it says this, Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness and the hope of eternal life, and here we go, which God, who cannot lie, rewind, who God, who cannot lie, promised, Long ages ago. I'm going to stop right there. There is nothing that the Lord will let come out of His mouth that He will not let come to pass. But everything that comes out of His mouth, He can't go against His word. So you know what He said to me? I'm going to make a way for you. Wow. I can relax now. I've returned back to that promise. And it has caused me to... Just slow down. If you don't know what the Lord has said to you or promised to you, I can't get to know my parents if I don't spend time with them. I can't get to know my future kids if I don't spend time with them. Spend time with the Lord asking Him to tell you what He has promised you. Because He cannot lie. And what He says He will do, He will do it. Amen? Let's go to Numbers. And write these down. I'm sorry I don't have them up on the screen for you. But Numbers 23, 19. Make sure you get a chance to look at these at some point. Supporting this again. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and he will not make it good? Again, saying that what comes out of our Father's mouth is concrete. If there's anything that I'm going to have faith in, it's what He says about who He is. And I'm going to believe that. Let's go one more. Actually, we're going to get... Uh, yeah, sorry I said one, but we're going to go three. Three more of these. Turn over to Isaiah 14. And this is going to be verse 24. Isaiah 14, 24. The Lord of hosts 
has sworn, saying, Surely, just as I have intended, so it has happened, and just as I have planned, so it will stand. Amen. Come on. Just as he planned, it'll stand. The will of God, you can't mess with it. He's going to do it. Now, these scriptures are Lord, are God speaking to the audience or the, the group of people at that moment. I don't want to pull scripture out of context and just kind of make it say whatever I wanted to say, but we're looking at either a dialogue or, or something that's being said to a significant situation about who God is, about who Christ is. Amen? So see it, see it as that. I just don't, I just want to make sure we're not making this stuff say what we want it to say. Next one is Ezekiel 12, 25. Ezekiel 12, 25. And says this, For I, the Lord, will speak. And whatever word I speak, I, excuse me, whatever word I speak will be performed. It will no longer be delayed. Amen. For in your days, O rebellious house, I will speak the word and perform it, declares the Lord. You know what else goes along with that? Is uh, John 15, 7 and 8. Did I get that right? You abide in me, my words abide in you. You can ask anything that you want and I will do it for you. Amen. Ask anything you want and then I'll make you do it all. No. Ask anything you want and I will do it for you because my word, I will perform it. What I speak, I will perform it. Now he might ask you to get up off the bench and get in the game and do something. All right, you got to listen. You do. But have faith in the man who called you off the bench. Have faith in the word that he spoke to you saying, yes, I need you to be inserted into this part of the equation because this is where I need you to let faith work first before understanding comes. Does that make sense? Did I say that right? You want faith to work first. Don't try to understand the situation before you jump into it because I'll tell you what, you'll never understand it. I mean the whole men think one way, women think another way. We'll never understand each other. Okay? <laughs> Just pray. Just pray. Alright. Understanding is one of those things that comes after the fact, but don't let it make you not jump. Last one here, 1 John 5. Okay, 1 John 5. It's towards the, the back there. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Oops, that's... Uh, here we go. It says this. This is the confidence which we have before Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. So you can ask, ladies and gentlemen. Don't not ask. Don't think that you got to get yourself to a place where you have the good amount of God credits before you can step into ministry or step into talking to the Lord or step into a relationship with Him. He's not asking for you to get right. He's saying, let me get you right. Amen? Amen? 
So as we begin to, to close here, I'm going to have the, the worship team come back up and get ready for our offering and our uh, communion here. But we're talking about activating, activating this faith. Before I talk about that real quick, let me just hit these, these, last, these last few verses in Romans. I'm not going to break them down as much today, but it's almost like the rest of the chapter is a conclusion, a little bit of what has been spoken. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith. This is uh, chapter 3, verse 28 of Romans. Um, Apart from works that, or is he the God of the Jews only? Or is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. And then there was something that we touched on regarding circumcision um, at the end of chapter 2 that is spoken about, spoken about here. Indeed, God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith is one. But the law in and of itself is not nullified to establish the law. How do you activate your faith? That's a... That's one that I hope you guys lean in on. Because you activate your faith and it's, it's something that will give you access to the riches and glory of who Christ is. If I could give you one thing to walk out of here and say, yes, this is how you do it. I'm not going to give you a one, two, three or how-tos because some situations you need faith you need to step into that. And if I had the little card to give you, you could pull that out in that situation and say, okay, number one, I got to do this. I got to go to this. Number two, I got to go. Sometimes we don't have time for that. Sometimes you, don't have, you just don't. But as we are buying this building, okay, we got this little house back here on this lot. It's a part of the, the whole purchase. This house is all of... 850 square feet. Like you take two steps, you bang your head on the west wall. You take three steps backwards, you bang the back of your head on this, the east wall. It's that big. Not big at all, but it's got this little basement in it that's not quite a basement, but it's not quite a crawl space. We'll just call it a cellar. Sure. All right? Everybody knows Julie Richter. She's about five foot nothing. She would be able to go down there and walk around and be fine. Anybody over 5'4", it's just kind of like awkward. Okay, down like this, or if you're tall like Becky, just not even going to get in there. But it's got this door and these steps that are like vertical like this. you got to rappel down to get in there. <laughs> I mean, literally, I, I, have, I struggle to get down in there, and I'm not exactly a bigger dude. But the interesting thing about this house, this cellar, what I want you guys, if you got that picture in your mind, imagine that there's just a little, little trap door on this thing. And a father and his daughter walk into this house, right? There's no light in this cellar whatsoever. And it's this father and this daughter, they have an amazing relationship. Why? Because they spend time together. The daughter knows the father's character. The father knows the daughter's character. This daughter is this little girl, can't be more than four or five years old, enough to speak coherent English, all right? Father walks into this house. He opens up this cellar and he just, he just goes down in there. There's no lights whatsoever. Dark. And the only light that's coming into the cellar is that which is coming through the opening. But you guys ever been in a, in a dark room? And there's light on the outside of the door. And as you back up, you kind of get enveloped by more of the, the darkness. But you can see out of the room, right? 
Well, that's what this, this father can see. He can see up. He can see his daughter. But the more he goes further into the cellar, the daughter can't see him. Now, has there been times in your life where you can't see Jesus? Has there been times in your life where there's so much happening to you that you're just saying, Lord, I just, I just want to see you. I just want to hear you. Well, the daughter in all of her excitement, not wanting to be away from her dad for too long, just says, Daddy, can I come down there with you? And he says, yes. My child, you can do that. But she says this, but Daddy, I can't see you. And you know what he says to her? But I can see you. Do you know that the Lord is that Father? That when we say, I need to be near you, I need to be next to you, can I just come down and hang out? But I can't see you. You know what he says back to you? But I can see you. I will never leave you. Everything that I say, everything that I do, is because I said I'm going to do it. You can put your faith in my words. The reason you can put your faith in my words is because of my actions. Now, you know what he says to this little girl? After she says, Daddy, I can't see you. Here's how you activate your faith. Here's one thing. And this is it. If you walk away from here with anything, it's this. He calls back up to his daughter and he says, Because I can see you, all you need to do, honey, is just jump. And I will catch you. Daddy will catch you. Do you have enough faith in what Jesus has said to you in your life to simply put your foot off of the ledge and just jump into his arms? You want to know how to activate your faith? Free fall into his word. Free fall into his promises. Free fall into what he said to you that is straight from scripture, from his mouth, the God-breathed word of God and nothing else. That is how you activate your faith. That is how you live by the law of faith because when you do that, he will not let you fall. Are you with me this morning? I hope that that picture is vivid for you. You might not be able to see him all the time, but he sees you and he's waiting. He is waiting for you to jump. It's going to be tough sometimes. But hey, if you know there's a safety net there, then who cares if you can see it or not? And it's the ultimate safety net. It's the one who triumphantly entered Jerusalem knowing what he was doing, had you on his mind. And every ounce of blood that was spilt from the time where nothing touched his skin to the moment that he said, it is finished. Do you realize every single ounce, that was the exact amount. That's exactly what needed to be given. The flesh that was hanging off of his bones. Nothing else would cover for the penalty of sin, which is death. Are you with me this morning? Let me say this one more time. Fear is faith in the wrong kingdom. Activate your faith by free falling into what he says about himself and what he's going to do for you in the word of God. Amen? Let's come up here with the, the offering and the 
communion this morning. How you guys doing? Good. Thank you so much for helping this morning. You guys want to pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you're doing this morning. And Lord, how you teach us about what it means to not only have faith in you, but Father, to activate it. That it's pretty simple. You're asking us to cast every crown that we have at your feet. Let there be no boasting in our flesh. Because all you asked us to do was simply just dive into the cellar where you were going to catch us. Father, this morning as we continue, I pray that you would bless this offering. Bless what gets put in there. Father, as, even as we look at what the Word says about faith and giving, we want to be faithful to your Word so that we can access the kingdom, the resources in the kingdom. And Father, whatever's given, we, we want to give it right back to you because we use it to, uh, to glorify your name and your kingdom. So I just pray that it's given joyfully and it's given from a place of knowing where it all has come from and where it all belongs. And that's in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys go ahead and pass that.